All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, nonstop Leafs talk starts now. Presented by PointsBet Canada and Montana's I Don't Believe My Eyes. Look who it is. It's a Tuesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga with the returning from Vegas and wherever he's been. Jay Rose, old dude, what's going on? Oh, you know, just recovering from getting <laughs> chewed up and spit out by that nasty town. <laughs> yeah, we had some conversations over the last 24 hours. I said, dude, how's your trip? And he's like, how long do you have? Because uh, apparently a lot transpired, Rosie. Yeah, a lot's going down. I had a couple of buddies there. We didn't really have an off switch. And uh, a couple prairie boys weren't paying attention, got robbed by some people, stayed up Ooh. too late, all things. At the end of the day, though, life goes on. So I'm good to be back home and on the show again because I missed it. I miss you too. And and that's the incredible story, I think, to me about Vegas. Everybody seems to have that Vegas story. Like anybody who's been to Vegas has that Vegas story. I don't care who you are. So just know that you're not alone on that front row because it happens to the best of us. I don't know if I've been robbed in Vegas, but there's been some stuff that's transpired with yours truly there too. Don't worry. Well, good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> You were mucking it up. You were mucking it up. And maybe one day we can share some of the stories that you're talking about off, off air because they're they're phenomenal. But remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out. And don't forget to visit LeafsNation.com for the very latest on all things Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, if, you, if you've noticed the last couple of days, we started to pump out uh, some content on a new, our very own YouTube page coming soon. There it is on your screen. Thanks so much to producer Alex for putting it up. We're migrating over slowly, so don't worry. There's no rush to that. Uh, eventually, we will be doing our live show from there, but right now it's still on the uh, Nation Network YouTube page. But at the Leafs Nation 401, at the Leafs Nation 401, subscribe, like, leave us a review. Have a lot of fun out there. Um, you see the Frank Saravelli interview. I don't know if you watched that last week, Rosie, but uh, it did pretty well. People love to hear about trades, evidently. 
Yeah, big time. And especially when a guy like Frank's got all the inside scoops, man, there's probably a handful of uh, of guys that does what he does in his uh, line of work, and he's one of the best at it. And I think when he talks about things, people listen because it's not just uh, some guy throwing up a, a prayer on something that his uncle told him when he was 10 beers deep. It's actual insider information. So I think everyone pays attention when Frankie Boy's speaking. Frankie Scoops, we love it. And again, as we get closer and closer to the March 3rd trade deadline, Frank will be on more often with us for sure. Thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, drop us a line down in the chat here below on YouTube. We'll get to those later on in the show. Uh, before we get over the boards, though, Rosie, uh, I know it's been a couple days. We were interacting over the weekend. What the fuck was that against Montreal? Like, it, it was the same old story, and you were even overreacting via text. Maybe it was just more so what happened in Vegas. You didn't really care about the Leafs game. <laughs> it was i noticed myself uh getting a little negative though and i mean mm -hmm. i saw it multiple times probably including you and some other people that were just like well get ready for the uh the leafs to drop one against the montreal canadians and i was like no not you. again i don't th i don't think this time and then away she goes and there's definitely a pattern between this team and losing to bottom of the barrel teams i do not know why that is i can't think of another example of teams that do do that but you know i i go back a little bit yeah in the last last five games we got three wins but if you go back a little deeper i think we got about seven wins in the last nine games so like things are still good but it's definitely a head scratcher on how we're losing to these teams that we should just smash it's like it's like mentally you just assume you're going to win, but that's not what teams that can beat the Boston Bruins and some of these high-end teams, it's not what they do. And it's just funny that this group does do it. And I, I was worried about last night's game as well, and I'll sure we'll get to that. But uh, I think they um, they had a little bit better of an outing and recorrecting the course that they were on last night. I have the name Raphael Harvey Pinard etched in my brain. Your boy ran roughshod on the Austin Matthews line on Saturday. Like, I could not believe my eyes. Rem Pitlick scores the OT winner. And again, it's just one of 82. I went over this on yesterday's show, but it just, it's baffling some of the losses this season. Two to Arizona, you know, one of the Ducks, two to the Montreal Canadiens. Like, in the grand scheme of things, it makes absolutely no sense. And then on top of that, it was Hockey Day in Canada. Montreal announcing Cole Caulfield done for the season. They're missing seven regulars, and they somehow find, find a way to hang around. I I wouldn't take the excuse of Samuel Montembeau, man. They made him look like Patrick Waugh. It just seems like they shoot right at some of these goalies in this league. It, it's unbelievable to me how many like goalies who are not big names or whatever, they play the Leafs, and next thing you know, they're stopping everything, Rosie. Which is crazy when you look at some of the, the fireworks and the offense that they're capable of producing. And it, you know, it is a little bit of a worry right now because like we've said in the past, their problem in the playoffs hasn't necessarily been goaltending or defense. It's been scoring the goals when they need them. And I mean, if if they have trouble doing that, you know, against some of these average type teams and average goalies, you know, it's not a great sign. But you know, then you're then you look at the other side of the plate, and it's like they've they've beat the Vasilevskis and they've beat the big time teams, and been one of the. I mean, how many games has Boston lost this year? One of them's been to the Leafs. They they kind of shell you know the best in the West in uh, in the Winnipeg Jets not long ago, a couple games ago, and it's just like there's there's kind of some ups and downs with this team, and I guess they're just constantly working on correcting the downs. Right, it's all you can do. Well, I was going to say, so you lose to Samuel Montembeau, but then you rise up and score, what, five goals on Ilya Sorokin, who could very well win the Vezina Trophy this season. Just makes utter no sense at all, and I was happy to bring it up with you. I know you missed yesterday's show, but I did want to get to that momentarily. But now, let's get over the boards.
All right, so as Rosie mentioned, a nice bounce-back effort for the Leafs, notwithstanding the first period. I thought the Islanders were all over them, but I expected a bit of desperation for the Owls, who are really, really struggling. There's fire loo chance at UBS Arena, by the way. I call it IBS Arena, Irritable Bowel Syndrome Arena on Long Island. But uh, the Islanders are in a tough way, and I, I love revenge games. You, you know this working with me for the past three months. JT, he's getting better and better and better, I think. Uh, the nervousness is starting to wear off a bit when it, when you take on the New York Islanders. It's been 10 games now, up to four goals, seven points, a plus six. He was outstanding last night, one and one. But here we go again. Same old story. Willie Nylander does it again with two and two. Yeah, huge, huge game for him. And I just, I can't say enough about Nylander and Tavares this year. It just seems like they're like brothers out there. They hook up all the time. And when they're clicking, it's like, it's scary. And, and it doesn't really matter who they put you know, on their line, they seem to be able to find that sometimes. And that was the biggest thing about the game last night for me is I was watching their start first period. I mean, hardly a shot on goal for the first however many minutes. And I was like, my God, like when these guys spin their wheels, they just can't find it. And that's been my biggest problem with them all year is when they're stuck, they just can't find their game. And it's just a kind of a lost cause. And last night, they really, they really, you know, proved that wrong. They came out in the second period. I mean, to get scored on in the last, you know, minute or two of, of a period is yeah. always just the biggest kick in the ass and and the coaches hate that more than anything in the world you want to protect that last couple of minutes and that, that didn't go their way the whole first period and then they come out in the second and just said see you later and I mean the Islanders were just stunned they thought they had you know some control of the game and they went back and forth a little bit but you know some bounce back goals by the Islanders themselves and we couldn't quite get our footing and then you know that point in the second period was just see you later so gave me a lot of positive vibes there watching them do that and it was all all the work of uh you know mostly Nylander and Johnny T out there it's pretty much a simple formula if you want to beat the New York Islanders these days score more than two goals and you'll likely beat them I mentioned Ilya Sorokin overly tested uh 39 shots as you see on your screen for the Maple Leafs but you know, having played in this league and you throw a bit of an egg up, like which I expected in the first period, you're coming off a, a really, really disappointing loss, uh, you know, to lose that way in OT, in Montreal, Hockey Day in Canada. I expected that and I expect the Islanders to come out hot and that's pretty much what happened. D does Sheldon Keefe say anything in the room after one or the guys pretty much know, yeah, we got to be better in the second period? Yeah, it's, it's tough. You thought his big speech might have been before the game, you know, after, you know, dropping that ugly one to the Canadians. You think he would have said, hey, we're okay. Let's reset. Let's come out and show that the team we are. Let's have a big start here. Get our feet under us. Take control of the game and don't give momentum up the whole time. Let's focus on that right now. And they did the complete opposite in the first period. So that speech would be probably difficult in the first intermission. But uh, whatever it was that he did say, maybe he didn't say much at all. I mean, sometimes coaches don't even come in and say anything. And you watch that clock tick down and go, oh, I guess I guess we're not going to be said anything to. And I doubt he did that. But, you know, sometimes they try different things just to mix it up when they're at a loss for what to say to a group of players. But uh, regardless, they responded in the second period. And that's pretty much what's important after last night. Who coached you in Toronto when you were here? Uh, Randy Carlisle and Ron Wilson. Were they big speech givers? They were big egos. They were big egos, I can tell you that. <laughs> Especially Carlisle, man. He loved, him. he loved himself. But uh, nonetheless, everyone's got different styles of coaching. And I would have liked to play for Keith, man. I think he's kind of exemplifies that new age coach, kind of the opposite of Randy Carlisle, which 
is why a lot of those coaches aren't in the league anymore. And the guys you're seeing a lot more are those new age players, coaches who kind of understand how to relate to players rather than scream and yell and intimidate them and embarrass them. You know, it's kind of a more effective uh, line of coaching, if you ask me. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I was laughing about the the, the other day. Uh, I don't know if you caught Daryl Sutter was uh, asked about Jacob Pelche, his rookie, and he's, he looked down at his box score and he said, what number is that? Put his glasses on. Like, dude, it's th- there's a way to coach, I think, and I'm not a coach, don't get me wrong, but there's a way to, you know, get some guys fired up in this day and age. I don't know if that's going to be working or successful. And to your point, like, I really wonder if, say, like a guy like Mike Babcock came back, how he would fare. You look at John Tortorella. They have mild success. Uh, and again, you can't say it for everybody. Look at Rick Bonus, one of the better coaches in the league. So it's it's not for everybody, but it's amazing to me how much the mentality has changed with coaches where it's more about coddling the players, right? Yeah, it is. And I, I remember my last couple of years playing, especially in North America, you know, I'm 31 years old and we've got a 20-year-old yeah. on our team. And it's just so much different, the, the mentality they uh they're just a little bit more fragile. They like to be talked to a lot. They like lots of attention and, you know, some players, not all of them, but you come down hard on them or, you know, crack the whip a little bit or just tell them, you know, be honest and say, we need better out of you. Like this isn't good enough. You know, back in the day that seemed to inspire certain players and they'd say, well, you know, I'm going to shove it up your back end and, and see show you what I think about that statement. And, and they get fired up and, and want to prove you wrong. Now, a lot of players these days, they just go into a shell. And I mean, that shell can last weeks because they just, they need, they need mama to come stroke them and pick them up and, and make them better. And literally there's parents calling coaches and agents calling coaches, which is stuff that's just never happened before. So totally new generation. I mean, look at the world today that it's a new generation of, uh, of 20 some year old person out there today. And, you know, times change all the time and every generation thinks the generations coming up behind them is, is softer and weaker. So call it what it is, but nonetheless, I think the coaches that are having success are finding ways to navigate that meantime rosie montanas is bringing back the viewing party with daily deals in 2023 it's taco tuesday one of my personal favorites enjoy five dollar tacos with the purchase of any beverage uh, all day long at montanas you see the menu right there just outstanding all you can eat ribs coming up on wednesday drink specials sunday specials uh, half price wings on monday it's got everything so make sure you checked out uh, check out excuse me montanas I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, in-game adjustments is something I wanted to get to on today's show as well. And I do, again, I haven't looked around the league, you know, that closely, but Sheldon Keefe has to be one of the better coaches in the NHL in terms of in-game adjustments right now. He did it again last night, right? He reunites 34 and 16, Matthews and Marner. And as you mentioned, puts Tavares and Nylander back together. And I, I thought it started directly from that second period puck drop. The Matthews line with Marner goes to work and they set the tone for the entire rest of the game, I felt. Yeah, it's nice when you can do that. I mean, what else do you do? Like you're you're trying to avoid a disaster. You're trying you're trying to avoid being caught in that quicksand where just things get worse and worse and you just want to ad- adjust or just mix something up and see if it shakes anything loose, right? Because with the team game like hockey, 
where it's so fast and it's so momentum oriented that sometimes you do anything just to shake it up. And I mean, you know, we've talked about it before where sometimes that's a fight where just the whole crowd gets on their feet, the whistle goes, everyone looks around and says, hey, what's going on? There's no offside. There's no reason for a whistle. Two guys are fighting. Every guy on the bench is standing up watching. They go at it. Guys are kicking the bench after. And then it's just kind of like, whoop games up for grabs again it's kind of like you know reminded me of hitting the old reset button on the old nintendo like you just kind of start fresh and you know it doesn't always have to be a fight it can be mixing up the lines it can be doing anything and you know if you can't score a goal you got to do anything else you can to try to shake something loose and Keith definitely seems to be good at finding the pairings and and mixing things up and i think you were asking me before the show you know do players like that kind of thing and I think it depends who you are and and where you're at. I think if you're one of the star players who's trying to get something going with a group of guys and he changes it on you, you might roll your eyes and be like, you know, I can fix this. But if you're another guy like a Calais Yarncroke or something who's getting an opportunity, you know, you're going to be licking your lips saying, hey, I want to make the most of this. So um, nonetheless, if you have team success like they found with some changes last night, I think everyone's going to end up happy. Dude, they made Ilya Sorokin look like Wade Dublovitz last night, if you remember that goalie from his days with the New York Islanders and the three-headed monster. And, you know, I sort of chuckled in my piece and my post-game report yesterday on the LeafsNation.com how Nylander could probably be playing with Par Lindholm right now, your boy Par Lindholm, and it would not matter. The guy, you want to talk about the eggplant emoji and it's shuddering in your face on, on your phone? Like, how horned up was Nylander last night? You get JT back uh, up the middle. You know, it's, it's not not bad going from Matthews to JT, but like a, a switch flipped. And I think Sheldon Keefe deserves a lot of credit, Rosie, because that's not the first time he's done something like that where he's jumbled things up and it seems to have ignited the team. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's what you need, the in-game in adjustments that make a difference. And, you know, it starts beforehand, like, who are we going to keep in the lineup? Who are we going to inject? They've tried different things with, like, you know, let's throw Wade and Simmons back in there. And, I mean, that worked one night, you know, early on against Winnipeg, for example, and they've tried it a couple of times, and it really didn't have an effect. So it's not always perfect, but, I mean, that's part of the job. Coach's job is trying to figure out how to get the best out of the players each day. And, you know, luckily last night it paid off, and hopefully they found something that that's, like, sustainable sustainable that can continue on what have you seen in austin matthews uh, i mentioned on the show last week when you were in here that he seems to have a different energy and a, a bit of a boost a jump to him since coming back after missing those two games if you do recall a couple weeks ago uh 10 game point streak unofficial by the way a 16 uh, game home point streak he has six and six and don't look now he's got 25 tucks on the season I know they're comparing his numbers this season to last season. And I think they were kind of trying to make the point that he's like lagging a little bit. But I was looking at the numbers going, Jesus, he's not that far off considering we're, you know, just at that kind of halfway point. Anything can happen. You get hot and, you know, you take off there and, you know, end of February, March, and then finish it off strong. You could start putting up some huge numbers. And he's the kind of guy that that can have these, you know, multi-point nights and put together these massive uh you know, point streaks and goal streaks and everything else. And to be honest with you, I've, th I've thought he's kind of quiet. You know, he gets overshadowed a little bit by, you know, Marner at one point in the season, now Nylander a little bit, and other guys are doing things. And I mean, I tweeted last night, I was like, is Matthews even playing in that game? And, and literally after I sent the tweet, he scores. And I just like, like, I don't like the huge sellies and stuff that he does, but the fact that he does it just shows me that he's not down on himself and he's not you know getting frustrated and he's got confidence and then you look at his numbers and it's like well who am I to say that his numbers are still fantastic and he's on these streaks and he's doing really well it's just I think our expectations of this guy are to be you know the top 
three player in the entire league. And it's very hard to do, even though he is capable of it. Yeah. And I think to your point, when you're a guy like that, where you win Rocker Richard after Rocker Richard, you win the Hart Trophy. And you know how I feel about celebrations. That Jake Wallman gritty thing was ridiculous to me. I think I give you the benefit of the doubt. I give you the pass. You can sell it. You can you can do whatever the hell you want. Um, and I think to that point, my my expectation, my hope is, you know, and in one token, I just think it was unrealistic to expect Matthews to score 60 and 73 again. Hell, it could still probably happen. But, like, I just think we set an unrealistic bar, uh, and it just shows you how great this guy truly is. But I really feel like he's starting to cook and play much better, especially with the puck. You know, and the chances are starting to get up there. And now he's back with Marner. Like, all I hope for is in the second half, he continues to trend in the right direction. And the expectation, the hope is that game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's it's liftoff time and he's saving everything for the postseason. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters, right? I mean, the season he had last year, you know, everyone's going nuts about it. But, you know, the people who kind of might be the naysayers are not looking at the glass half full or the people that are just looking at it honestly are going to go, well, what yeah. does that mean if he doesn't get it done in the playoffs? And I mean, that's the ring around the rosy with this team. And maybe he is waiting for those playoffs. I don't think he'd be subconsciously saying, oh, I'm not going to turn it on tonight. I'm going to wait till the playoffs. But, you know, he's been, his focus has been there and he's had hot seasons and realizes that, you know, you can't just dump your load right off the bat and, and expect it to still be there. And, you know, I, I think they would be plus money right now for him to have a better second half of the season than he did yeah. the first half of the season. I don't see why not. He's trending in that direction. And, you know, I think he could very easily put up 50 this year. And I mean, we're acting like that's like a, a shortcoming season of his after putting up the so much more than that was 62 last year. And it wasn't really fair of us to all be like, of course, he's going to do it again. Because, you know, once you once you recover from that and take a summer off and go back to training and reset and then go into the season, is it, it's just so hard to pick up where you left off. I mean, I can't even imagine playing that type of hockey, but you just got to think that it's very difficult to keep up that type of pace. And, uh, you know, it, we kind of look down our nose at, Hey, what's up with Austin? And then you look at his numbers and it's like, I don't think anything's up. He's disgusting at hockey still. Yeah, pretty much. I never say never with that guy. Speaking of which it's Sammy time. my dude. Uh, third straight start four of six. I think you continue to, uh, to roll with him. And I mentioned this on last week's show too, the fact that they had a flurry of home games coming up. That was game one of a five-game homestand leading into the All-Star break, and they have at least one day off between all five games. So you could see an extended run, and I think that gives Matt Murray uh, some much-needed practice time. But this is getting egregious, man. Like Samsonov is 13-0-1 at Scotiabank Arena this season. It's disgusting, man. And who saw it coming? I don't know. But, I mean, look back over everything that we've said about this tandem, good and bad. We kind of, you know, are, the best thing about it was it is a tandem. And if one guy's not on, hopefully you can go to the next guy. And I think they've ham and egged it pretty good this whole season. There's been maybe a little week of, of stretch maybe that you could look at where neither of them has really yeah. done much and you don't know which guy to go to. But usually it was like who's better they're both really good who do we play like that's the biggest problem they've had you know in a lot of ways which nice problem to have right now and then you know I've been saying there's going to come a point in time where one guy's playing better than the other and the one guy's going to get the nod through an extended period of time and it's only going to allow the other guy to get more rest and get more practice time and and readjust his focus and it's kind of like 
a 1A, 1B type thing, I guess you could call it. And and there's nothing wrong with that. And right now we're riding Sammy. And why wouldn't you? That number is disgusting. He hasn't even, you know, lost in reg at home at this point in the season. And he's the one that's played a lot at home. So I just think it's awesome. And, and it's what we expected. If one's not going, hopefully we can ride the other one. And that's the point of having two pretty good goaltenders. I love your boy, uh, Rick Ryan, in the chat, just throwing up a, a rose. Uh, I like that. You got some fan Ooh. support here, bud. Yeah, well, just the rose. Ooh, okay. That's that's all he's got to say. That's all he's got to say. Not much well, else. Doesn't want to talk about Samsonov. Doesn't want to talk about your trip to Vegas. <laughs> just the rose. Big Rose Hill fan. Love, love this guy. <laughs> yeah, your best friends already. Uh, keep those chat questions coming. We'll get to those later on, certainly. But um, I think you look... Um, oh, Rick writes Buffalo taking out Boston in the first round. That's quite the hot take, but the Sabres are on fire right now. But as mentioned, Can I mean, imagine? in a perfect world, you know you're taking on Tampa in the first round. Very, very likely for the Maple Leafs. You want home ice in a potential game seven. Toronto's 18-3-4 at Scotiabank Arena. I know we are laughing about this this last week, but like, what are the chances in a crazy world where the Leafs are like, you know what, because of their splits, we're going to start Samsonov on home ice and Matt Murray on the road in that series. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? In the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not that far off, man. It's not really yeah. that far off. Like, that's a grinding duel of a of a week and a half or two weeks to play a seven-game series for a goaltender. And, you know, he's going to be getting sore. He's not used to doing that. And this day and age, you never play back-to-backs, it seems like. If you got two good guys and one's just disgusting at home, it would be awesome to see. I mean, maybe they just switch hit wins. It would be unbelievable. Imagine, like, a guy gets, like, a shutout win. They're like, no, we're going on the road. We got to change <laughs> it up. We're Sorry, going no. to our other guy. No, I can't yeah. imagine that. Yeah, exactly. Bring in Eric Schalgren because his splits in the three or four are really, really good. But yeah, it's fascinating. We love this analytics era. And certainly Ilya Samsonov is posting some really, really strong numbers right now. And again, I think we're both in agreement. So you continue to ride with Sammy. It is Sammy time right now as you look at your screen there. And I'll look at the numbers since January 1st. I mean, they speak for themselves. 2.22, 921, 41 and 2. Hasn't posted a shutout yet, but it just seems like every game he's making big saves. A couple of weeks back, we talked about getting that pivotal save. Uh, to that point, I thought he was really good against Montreal. Like, Samsonov did all he could, but unfortunately, Montembeau was just a bit better in that game. I still have PTSD. I know. That one's going to rattle you for a while. I think it goes back to that series that uh, you have trouble letting go of, but uh, mm. for good reason, man. I mean, these guys have... Uh, we've put so much hope into you know, this team over the last couple of years. And I mean, again, it just hasn't gotten it done. They got to get over that hump and they just got to get it done however they need to do it. And hopefully this goaltending situation has been figured out and, you know, their D looks a little bit solider and they're, they're scoring in bunches by lots of different guys. And I mean, Michael Bunting hasn't really shone yet. He can really, you know, put up some points too and catch fire playing with certain players. And, you know, maybe he, catches fire in the playoffs and then Austin turns it up and then you, you just never know but you you expect that and you hope that but you just can't predict it so all you can do is prepare the best you can and hopefully you got your ducks in a row when uh, when April comes yeah that's all we can think about certainly as we move forward here in the second half of the season don't forget the all-star breaking is is coming up next week and Toronto's got a bye week after that so I was uh, mentioning on yesterday's show they're not going to play a road game for like three weeks it really is a weird occurrence in the NHL schedule but so be it the wrap-up is brought to you by our friends at Points by Canada.
So I'm sure you're tuning to yesterday's show, and I'm sure you tailed me. I love the revenge factor. I had the John Tavares anytime assist. Obviously, it hit. The guy's absolute money in the bank. Every time they play the Islanders, he gets a point. But not really. So I'm 1-0 to start the week. I have been red hot for the better part of the season, specifically here in 2023. So let's keep the good times rolling. Tonight, I'm looking at the Vancouver-Chicago game. So your boy Rick Tockett making his debut behind the Vancouver Canucks bench. Uh, th this could be the last time I do this if they don't hit, but I'm 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 hammering the Vancouver Canucks tonight. The puck line is probably what I would look at in terms of the most value at plus 110. I mentioned it, new head coach, um, and they're playing a team like Chicago who really doesn't want to win. The Hawks are winning way too much lately. So I, I like Vancouver tonight, first game under Tockett. You're taking uh, you're taking money line, obviously. I think I think to extract the most juice, I would probably look at the three ways: so winning in regulation, and then the puck line to win by more than one and a half. Nice, I like it, man. I don't. Uh, I just I just get a good vibe about that as well. It, it sometimes you just make a shake up the way that they did, and and I think it was long overdue. I think the reason that the Canucks didn't didn't switch things up earlier is because Bruce Boudreau is such a good guy, such an honest guy, and such a solid coach with a good track record. Um, and they just yeah. needed to at the end of the day and fought hard to, to to give them the benefit of the doubt. But once that once that change was made, I really feel like talking to you know a buddy or two on that team and hearing what they're saying in the media. It feels like these guys just kind of have a new lease on life. And you know sometimes it just takes that uh, that switch of of changing coaches to to get a team to start going. And the fact that they're playing the bottom of the barrel Blackhawks who probably don't even want to win that bad with a chance at lottery picks and whatnot. I think the Canucks will just have a new lease on life and it's a good, good bet and a good pick. Who do you know on the Vancouver Canucks? Don't answer that. We had him on the show earlier this season. Luke Shen could be a Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, by the way, I talked to Bruce Boudreaux yesterday. We're aiming to have him on. Uh, he is going to come on the show either next week or the week after, and uh, we'll break it down. You know what the best thing about Bruce Boudreaux is? He's a WWE fan. That, but also he's a Leafs fan, which is incredible. And he's not shy about talking about his love for the Leafs. In fact, like he wanted to work for them a couple of years ago. It didn't work out clearly, but like that, I think is his one dream wrapped up in his career. He's 68 years of age, would love to be coaching in Toronto or in some capacity with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But he's never been shy about the fact that even when he's coaching in the National League, he watches the Maple Leafs games. Like I, I think it's hilarious. That's so awesome. I never knew that at yeah. all. And I love the fact yeah. that he admits it, man. He still, he still has a lot of elements to him. That's like a, a kid, right? Like you look at, uh, yeah. I think he was on one of those 24 sevens back in the day and you're just chuckling at the stuff that comes out of his mouth. He seems like kind of a happy go lucky kid a lot of the times. And that's cool that he's like that. I didn't know. So if we have him on the show, he'll probably have lots to say about the Maple Leafs. I bet you he knows just about everything that's going on within them. Just a pure hockey guy who's oh, yeah. uh, probably been following them since he was like six. Well, that's pretty much it. Played for the Leafs, too. Uh, so definitely we'll hit that angle with Gabby. But we, we do want to touch on some of the points. Um, I don't know how much you've seen on what's happened there. But, dude, I saw the guy cry way too many times this past weekend. Like, have you ever seen that in all your years of hockey where the guy knows he's getting fired? Everybody knows he's getting fired and they still let him coach? Like, it makes no sense. I, I think it's a fucking disaster what's happened in Vancouver. I didn't really see how that went down either. I was like, why is he coaching if he knows? Usually it's like... Uh you know, they'll, they'll wait for their ducks to be in a row where the, where the schedule lines up, where their replacement yeah. is able to get to town and they can pull the pin where they can get both guys in and do it the right way. And that just seems crazy. He's sitting there knowing that it's kind of nice. Cause it's like your last, 
it's kind of nice to know that it's your last one. You can just kind of, he said he t- took it all in. He's looking up at the rafters. Like it's hard not to be, you know, like you say, the age he's at and whatnot. Maybe he won't be able to do that again a whole lot more. He's been doing it so long. He might have to be able to say goodbye to it. And normally in that business, you just get canned and you have, you don't really, you know, get a chance to say goodbye or anything, but definitely weird. And I thought it was kind of uh, kind of different myself too. Yeah, different's probably not the word I would use. I think an abomination and a terrible handling of an amazing human being in Bruce Boudreau. And that's why I think the Canucks are taking so much heat because as Gabby's been saying the last couple of days in some of his media pressers, like he, the writing's been on the wall for like two months. And then on top of that, we all knew it was going to be Rick Tockett, but it sounds like Vancouver was waiting for that TNT clause to end, which was like a 30-day or a four-week thing. So they're waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, you just can't do that to anybody. And obviously, he's not going to quit. It was just a weird, weird situation, but very on par for the Vancouver Canucks over the last uh, 10 years or so. Uh, Tim writes in with a really good chirp. Rosie needs to hit on a pick. Uh, You could go an entire season. Remember Val Nachushkin didn't score a goal in the NHL a couple of years ago? You could go the entire season without hitting on a pick. I uh, I haven't even had a pick on my mind because you've been on fire. But um, yeah. if I if I get on the board here again, I'm gonna go deep and I'm gonna get all. That's my problem. I probably get analytical. I usually just bet with my gut. But I'm gonna hit the next one I pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe spread it out like you and have like three ways of things that I could make it seem like I I win at the end of the yeah. day. Well, I I normally win. You can the, the math checks out. You I know what you're saying, but like. I'm going to ultimately lose at some point in time this week. So we will get Rosie. Tim, don't worry, in another pick. And he will hit it. Maybe I'll help him out. Maybe I'll maybe I'll feed you the pick, Rosie. I'll be like, hey, take this pick and you'll hit. But no, to be fair, this is the best year I've had in terms of uh, NHL betting to date. Um, but I, I do think it fluctuates. There's ups, there's downs. I love my shot props too. So I've been hammering those. Uh, Tim just writing in a wrap. Rutherford screwed that up. Why would he quit? Vancouver would have not had to pay him. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't think he, they were ever looking at him quitting. I don't think he was looking at quitting. It was just a weird, weird situation. So no. uh, in summary, uh, the Vancouver Canucks under Rick talk, it will play Chicago tonight. And that is my pick. I like Vancouver to win that game outright just because it's the new coach bump. But uh, Rosie, we'll leave it at that. And uh, coming up tomorrow, another uh, pivotal matchup with another strong goalie in this league. It's going to be the Leafs against Igor Shostorkin and the New York Rangers. How about that? Yeah, that should be a good one. We'll uh, test ourselves against another great goalie here. So, um, you know, they should have good vibes coming off of last night. So let's uh, keep it going. As long as it's not Samuel Montembeau, my friend. That's Jay Rosehill back from Vegas in one piece I see, which is great to see. I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Take care.